Our scripture reading today is brought to us from Job. And I'll be reading from the Living Translation. What that means is, is sort of like in our language, in our time, the way we talk. Job chapter 21, verses 7, 14, and 15. And this was a time, as you know, most of us know the story of Job. And he was going through his trials. And most people told him, why don't you curse God and die? And of course, his friends have to jump in the picture. And this was him, uh, Job, responding to one of his friends. Why do the wicked prosper, growing old and powerful? And yet they say to God, go away. We want no part of you and your ways. Who is the Almighty, and why should we obey him? What good will it do us to even pray? May God add the reading of his word. Amen. Happy Sabbath. Well, let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we pray that you will anoint my lips to speak your word clearly and the ears of the listeners to understand. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, the theme this week has been service, right? That's what we've been uh, focusing on. And when you look in scripture, you find three aspects to a Christian life, only three. Uh, they're symbolized in the sanctuary, the tabernacle in the wilderness, in the Old Testament as the candlesticks, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. The candlesticks represent our light shining to the world. Christ is the light of the world. He says that we are the light of the world. His light is to shine through us. We are to be channels for His light to the world in acts of service, acts of kindness, bearing the fruits of the Spirit. Um, then you have the table of showbread, which represents the bread of life, the Word of God. You know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So then you see that there's the altar of incense, which represents the smoke ascending up as our prayers ascends up to God in heaven. And so we're going to be looking a little at the, how these things come together, the combination of, of the three aspects of the Christian life the service to God, abiding in His Word, and prayer. Because you cannot have one without the other or else it just doesn't work. Um, but you see here, Job, he's, he's pondering the thought. You know, how can it be that uh, the wicked, they, they live a long time and they, and they have power. You know, they, 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 gain, they gain wealth and prosperity and all these things. And yet... At the same time, with all of this, with all of what life has to give them, they end up in a mindset that you might see reminiscent of the mindset of the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation. Um, they end up saying things like this in verse 14. Therefore, they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Okay? The knowledge of his ways comes through his word, right? So they want his word to depart from in front of them. And then it says, what is the Almighty that we should serve him? Oh, look at that. 
you just got rid of the, uh, the menorah, you know, the, the candlesticks. Okay, you're not going to serve. You're no longer going to serve. Then you end up having uh, the next statement. It says, and what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Well, look at that. Do you see that? The wicked have just eliminated all three aspects of the Christian life. Do you see that? Is that quite plain there? So we want to uh, take a look at the most basic, fundamental aspect of the Christian life. Even if we do not possess the Word of God, if we can't get our hands on it, you know, if, if we were trapped in a prison somewhere or something like that and we could not possess a Bible, we can still pray to God. That is still the aspect uh, that we have. And um, I, I hear people often uh, questioning, saying, well, how can I get God to answer my prayer? You know, uh, how come he doesn't hear my prayers? Uh, people doubt uh, whether God actually hears and answers prayer. And I want to look at some of uh, what the scripture has to say about that today. Let's take a look first, and I hope you'll take notes. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, and I'll be reading out of the King James Version. It says in verse 9 of chapter 16, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now that's telling us God wants to show himself, right? And he doesn't want to just show himself in a weak way. It says strong. He wants to show himself strong, right? He wants to let us see that he is a powerful God. Now let's take a look at Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And yes, this will be basically a Bible study, but you know that's what I'm good at, okay? So I stick to it, all right? Bible worker gives Bible studies, right? So um, that's what I'll do. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Okay, so God again is saying, call on him. And he says that he will answer. And he will show us great and mighty things. Before he said he wants to show us that he is strong. And here he's saying he wants to show us great and mighty things. Okay, now let's take a look at Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, and we'll look at verse 32. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us, how much? All things. Okay, so he wants to show himself strong. He wants to show us great and mighty things. He wants to freely give us all things. And what is required in order to get them? In Jeremiah, it said to call, right? He said to call unto me. Now let's take a look at, at uh, Matthew 7, 7. Many of you will remember this passage. Matthew 7, verse 7. It says... Ask, and it shall be given you. 
Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. This is what the Lord tells us. So if God wants to show himself strong, if he wants to show us great and mighty things, if he desires to give us all things, then what is lacking? Let's look together at Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. Matthew 21 verse 22, it tells us, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. So the issue becomes an issue of belief. What is lacking in our believing? What does it mean to believe? You know, in, in James chapter 2, verse 19, we're told that the devils believe and do what? They tremble, okay? So this belief has to be something beyond what the devils have, right? Because we don't want to believe and tremble. So let's take a look at what this uh, believing means, what it entails. Let's turn to our next text. It's John chapter 15, verse 7. Yeah, let me start at verse 4. Verse 4 says of John chapter 15, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Okay, now let's go on down to verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my word abide in you, Ye shall, what? Ask, okay, what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Oh, look at that. Okay, so now we see what this believing has to do with, right? The believing has to do with abiding in Christ. Okay, so we've gone from the term believing, which we know is not the same as the believing that the devils do. This is a believing that is abiding in Christ. Okay, now... Um, we want to take this a bit further. We want to uh, go to verse 16. Let's take a look at verse 16. And it says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should what? Remain. Okay, so in other words, it's not a one-time thing. Okay, it keeps on going. It's, a, it's fruit that should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Okay, now notice that there's the word that. So in other words, in order for the following thing to happen, you have to do the other thing first. Do you see that? Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. That your fruit should remain. That. In other words, so that, so that, whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Okay, so now you understand what the believing is. It's abiding. The abiding is when, when a branch abides in, in the vine, it brings forth fruit. So you abide so that you bring forth fruit, and the fruit remains. And as the fruit remains, you can ask whatever of the Father, and He will give it you. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. So now let's take a look at another passage. Now that we're getting the idea here, I think. Let's, let's, let's look at the concept of, 
Um, well, you know what the fruits are. We, 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 I, I can mention this in passing. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 mentions the gifts, uh, or the fruits, I mean, the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, and so on, right? So if you want to really understand what these fruits are that need to be in our lives, in order for the Father to have liberty to answer our prayers, we should take a look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And we'll get an idea of what is entailed in that. But for the sake of time, I'm going to pass on to our next point, and that is things that we should not do, okay? Um, <clears throat> there are things that we can do, that we should do, that point us in the right direction. There's also things that we should not do, okay, that would lead us away from God, that would uh, put a barrier between us and God's ability uh, to answer our prayers, okay? Let's take a look at Isaiah 58, verse 9. Okay, and the question is, when is God going to uh, answer our prayers? It says, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Okay, now when is it? Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Okay, now when is this going to happen? Here's the answer. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke. Okay, so we've got to take away from the midst of us the yoke. Hmm. So there's a yoke that we can't have that would keep God from answering our prayers. And what is the yoke? It's nice that it goes on and tells us what the yoke is. It says, the putting forth of the finger. You all know what that is? The putting forth of the finger, you know, okay? The putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. Do we know what that is? Well, I think we understand the, pointing, the, the, the putting forth of the finger. We get that, right? That's the idea of looking at everybody else, telling everybody else what they ought to be doing and scolding others and, you know, that kind of thing. You know, the old finger you know how that goes. Okay? So we, we, we want to get rid of that. The other thing, it says speaking vanity. What is that? What is speaking vanity? That involves the idea of when you're, when you're pointing at someone else, telling them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, that kind of thing, you're at the same time saying of yourself, I am better than you because I don't do what you do. I do something better. I am better than you. That's speaking vanity. To say that we are better than someone else, that is vanity, okay? We are all far below the level of Christ, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? Okay, so we understand that the thing that can come between us and God's willingness to uh, answer our prayer is the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, okay? Now let's take a look at something else that we can do, something we can do to uh, put us in a right relationship with the Lord for Him to answer our prayer. First uh, John 5. Let's take a look at First John chapter 5, verse 14. First John chapter 5, verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask, how much? Anything. 
Now, what's the stipulation? According to his will, he heareth us. Okay? Okay, so there is, it's not a flat out just ask anything you want. Okay? Ask anything according to his will, and he heareth us. Now, <clears throat> let's take a look at John chapter 6 and verse 40. Okay? John chapter 6. In verse 40, we want to maybe, you know, I didn't have this in my original notes, but I thought, you know, if I just say we've got to ask things according to his will, that doesn't maybe answer the uh, point. So let's look at John chapter 6 and verse 40. And it says, And this is the will of him that sent me. This is Christ speaking. He's talking about the will of the Father, okay? We can't go higher than that, right? This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So what is this telling us is the absolute ultimate will of the Father. What is it? Huh? To believe on the Son. Okay, but what's the purpose of believing on the Son? Why does He want us to believe on the Son? To be saved. He wants to save. Take a look just a few chapters back at at chapter uh, 3. Go back to John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, okay? Now, we're all familiar with verse 16. For God so loved the world, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's continue. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. See, that's the grand point. We, we remember the first one, which is about Christ coming. But why did he come? He wants to save. That's the point, okay? That is the will of the Father, is to save as many as will, you know? So now, let's take a look at Mark eleven twenty four and 25. It says, Therefore, I say unto you, what, thing, what things soever ye desire... When ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Okay, now we, we've heard that many times before, I'm sure. You have to believe. Now we understand a little bit more about what this believing entails. Verse 25, And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Okay, now these two thoughts are closely tied together here because to be praying to the Lord and having not forgiven, that can stand as a wall between you and the Father and His his ability to answer your prayers. Okay? So in believing that you receive these things, you also cannot have a spirit of unforgiveness, uh, or as it says, ought against any, Okay, you cannot have that in your heart. So we begin to understand reasons why when we say, well, why doesn't God hear my prayer? Why doesn't God, you know, answer my prayer? 
Uh, well, there can be reasons. There definitely can be reasons. Let's take a look at um, Psalm 66. Let's turn to Psalm 66. This is speaking more of what we do not want to have. Okay, we, we understand now that we don't want to have the spirit of unforgiveness. Um, <clears throat> let's take a look at Psalm 66, verse 18. Psalm 66, verse 18. It's very short. It says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord what? will not hear me. Ooh, okay, so that's just, that's just putting it plain. God will not hear you if you regard iniquity in your heart. Now, what does that mean to regard iniquity? Okay, regard, the, the word there connotates the idea of cherishing. You hold it in a high esteem. You, um, it's a fond thought, you might say, okay? You have fond feelings for this iniquity. Now, what's, an, what's iniquity, maybe? Maybe we want to understand what that is a little bit more. Iniquity is different from sin, okay? Um, and yet it's the same. Sin, let, let me put it this way. I'll give you an illustration. If you are racing down the road, you know, and the speed limit's 35 miles per hour, but you're going 55, okay, the speed limit, the law says that you cannot exceed 35, okay? Now, when you have broken that, you have sinned, but that still doesn't tell you what your uh, conduct was. You, you know that your conduct was to go past that, but to what degree, to, in what way uh, did you break that? Okay, what was the actual crime? Well, the, the cop, the police officer, he will write down that you were doing 55 and a 35, right? Now, what do you think the judge would say about 55 and a 35? Okay, now, what if, what if you were doing, what if you were doing uh, say, 43 and a 35? Do you think maybe there might be a little bit of um, lean, leniency there? You, know, you see what I'm saying? Okay, uh, the, the idea is that iniquity is the actual uh, sin that was committed, okay? The way in which it was perpetrated, okay? That's the iniquity. The iniquity is the actual act. The, the, the sin is just simply breaking the law. How you broke the law, how, what, you, what you specifically did, how it goes beyond the point of breaking the law, that's the iniquity, okay? So you don't want to have ways of breaking the law uh, that you cherish, okay? And the, the idea of cherishing, let me, let me clarify that too. You know that when you start pointing your finger at somebody else or saying, well, they can't do that, da, 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 da. well, a lot of times we don't even realize it. You know, it's this, psycholo this, this psychology that we play with in our minds. You know, there's this idea, you see it with children, when, when well, how come he gets to do that and I can't? You know, you've seen that, right? Okay, well, well his parents don't care if he gets sick, okay? I don't want you getting sick. So you can't eat the double dutch chocolate fudge sundae whatever you know okay you see what i'm saying the the idea is that when we point sometimes at what other people are doing it it's because we really want to do it ourselves you see what i'm saying we wish we could 
we, we feel like we're missing something if we don't get to go and do what they did. And, uh, you know, this comes up when the issue of, of jewelry, I have to say this, because it, it just fits right here. A, a lot of times um, the, the issue comes up about wearing of, of jewelry, wearing of rings and things like that. Well, there are those who will say, uh, 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 Look, uh, he, he's wearing a wedding ring. He's wearing a, a wedding band. Uh, 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 uh. And, uh, but, you know, and that, that's, their, that's their reason to want to be able to wear everything they ever wanted to wear. You know? And, and it's, it's like I was saying, oh, it, it's, it's so, so sad. Uh, a, a church that I used to attend many, many years ago when I was growing up, um, the majority, the, the church could hold over a thousand people, okay? Uh, they, they would seat a thousand easily. Um, now they're down to where they have maybe 70 people that come on a Sabbath. Okay, you're talking about a big empty building, very big empty building. Um, my, my sister um, and I, when I was back there for Thanksgiving last year, we went and were uh, meeting some of our old friends and all, and they don't exactly attend church anymore. They go other places to other non-denominational churches and things like that. And the sad part of it is they kind of look, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but they look like clowns because they don't know how to wear that stuff with the makeup and the jewelry and stuff like the women do that have been doing it all their lives. So they go and they put it on and try to make it look like they want to try to blend in and it don't look quite right. And my, my sister and I, we were like, oh my goodness. Uh, my sister, she does wear makeup, but she wears it in a way that you would never even realize that she had it on. You know what I'm saying? Most people would not even think that, that she's wearing any makeup. Um, and, and, you know, jewelry can be tasteful, too, I mean, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, not that there's anything good about jewelry. It, it, the idea is that God wants us to focus on the heart. But you see what I'm saying. In this illustration, my point is, is that a little thing like a wedding ring or a watch, a big fancy watch, can be used to say, for someone who is cherishing this thing in their heart, this iniquity in their heart, will go, ah, 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 but, 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 you know, they, they get to, ah, ah. You know, it's that cherishing, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm acting it up because I want you to understand it's kind of this childlike mentality that we get going on, okay? Now let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22. And it says in Jeremiah 2, 22, For though thou wash thee with nitrate, which I, I looked it up just so I'd know what it was. It's an acid, okay? It's like uh, an acid that they would use for cleansing. Um, okay, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, said the Lord God. Okay, so um, the idea is that it is our iniquities that are written in the book. Remember, we have a book of record that's against us, right? That the blood of Christ can... Uh, cover our sin? Well, in that book is a list of our iniquities. Okay? They are what are marked against us. Um, let's take a look now at uh, Luke chapter 6, and we want to understand with this that we don't want to be, we don't want to fall into that Laodicean condition of coming to church and, and feeling like, looking like we're doing all good. We can point at everybody else's uh, bad, but we're all right. We're doing good. You know what I'm saying? We want to keep in mind that God is wanting to save as many as he possibly can. It's not a competition, okay? It's like everybody's a winner, okay? That's the idea. Everybody's a winner. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Okay, you might have to turn a page there. 
In verse 46 it says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Okay? So that's what God's big question is. Why do we call him Lord and don't do what he says? Now we might say, but we have a really hard time doing what he says. Um, so how can we do what the Lord says? Um, let's turn to Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. It says in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. That's that abiding spirit of Christ, right? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And then... If we take a look in the New Testament to see this isn't just an Old Testament idea, we take a look at um, Hebrews chapter 10, okay? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. In Hebrews 10, 16 and 17, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities. Look at that, lists both of them. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Amen? Okay, so there's a change that happens when God's Spirit comes in and dwells in us. It allows us to get away from some of the childish, childish mentalities that we hang on to sometimes that keep us in sin. And see, this is the sad part about it as Christians. And what you look at when you look at the Laodicean condition um, that is described in Revelation, um, though you may be up in years maturity-wise physically, there can be a real immaturity spiritually. The, the outside age and the inside age are two different things, you know? That's, that's the thing. There can be a difference in maturity, spiritually speaking. Oh, and I have to tell you, that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with in, in churches, Maybe I speak too frankly sometimes, but I've dealt in, in several churches, not this one, I thank the Lord, where an elder who was very, very up in years, you could not tell him a thing, not one thing, because he was older than you. He, he was around before you ever even were a figment of your parents' imagination. And so you couldn't tell them a word. They just knew it all. And honestly, that's how they act, as though, though they just knew it all. And you couldn't do a thing with them. <laughs> It gets real interesting. Uh, let's take a look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. In 1 John 3 verse 4, we are told, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Right? So we understand that. That's basic. Then we go to John chapter 5, same author. John chapter 5 verse 14 and it says, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Okay, so the concept is God is willing to fill us with his spirit, to cleanse us of sin and of our iniquities, to remember them no more. And with this, he wants us to stop breaking his law because sin is the transgression of the law. He wants us to sin no more, right? 
And in 1 John 3, I know we're flipping back and forth here, but it, it, it makes a point. In 1 John 3, verse 22, it says, And whatsoever ye ask, here we are, we're back to our point. Whatsoever ye ask, uh, we receive of him. Why? This is 1 John 3, 22. Big point here. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we do what? Obey his commandments. We keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Okay? So there's, the, there's a pursuit of God, a pursuit of his way, like Harold was talking about, that puts us in a position where God is safe to answer our prayers. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, there might be one more thing about why God would not uh, answer our prayers, and I want to take a look at that. Um, let's take a look at Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's a promise. He will supply all our what? Needs. Okay, now that's the point. Needs. Now let's look at James chapter 4, verse 3. James chapter 4, verse 3. And here's where we get the stipulation. Ye ask and receive not. Why? Because ye ask amiss. Right? That ye may consume it upon your lusts. Okay? Now, Okay, I'm going off on a little aside here. I can't tell you how many friends I've had, and, and uh, I, I suppose we're all there at, this, at some point in our lives, in some point in our, at some point in our relationship with God, where we say, Lord, I need this, or I need that. Now, if I do this for you, you'll do that for me, right? You start bartering with God. You start making deals with God. I mean, how insane is that? I know, I mean, you know, really, we're going to barter with God. Oh, God, I know you want me. You want me in heaven real bad. But if you want to get me, you're going to have to cater to what I'm telling you, you know. Uh, I, I've heard that mentality so many times with people that I've had Bible studies with. That they're like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, give, up, I'll give up this or, or I'll, I know I should straighten this up in my life. And I'll do it if God will kind of do this for me, you know. I need a little bit of this over here, you know. Uh, it's just not the way it works, folks. Just not the way it works. Okay, I'm sure you all know that. Just wanted to bring that point out. But see, there's this problem of asking amiss. We're asking because it's what we think we need. Okay? But God knows what we really need. And we've got to trust Him. Psalm 19, verse 13 says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Okay, so we don't want to fall into presumptuous sin. That's a real problem there. You start doing stuff because you think you're going to barter with God somehow. It just, I don't know, it gets kind of crazy. Then you, let's uh, take a look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. There it tells us in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. This is God. Okay, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee um, because he trusteth in thee. So we can have a peace-filled life 
if we trust in Him, trust that He knows what we need better than we know what we need. You understand? Okay. And Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That's a promise we can take all the way to the bank, right? Okay. Now, for, this, is, this is really my final point here. <laughs> Numbers 23, 19. Okay? Numbers 23, 19, it says, and this is one we should all need to remember, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent or change, okay? Hath he said, and shall he not do? How shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So God's saying, hey, I'll make it good. I'm good, I'm good for my word. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, Okay, so we are heirs of these promises, promises like we just read. He's more willing to abundantly show unto the heirs of his promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it with, by an oath. Okay, so it's a promise in the first place, but then he makes an oath on top of that. Okay, and it says in verse 18 of Hebrews 6, that by two immutable things, the promise and the oath, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Amen? Okay. And that uh, brings us to the conclusion of this topic, except there is one little additional point that I have to mention in terms of, of receiving what we ask, and that is Matthew 18, verse 9. Matthew 18, verse 9. This is the only thing that can really be added to it. It says again, in Matthew 18, verse 19, um, it says, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Okay, so you, you take the conclusion of all the other points that we mentioned, okay, and combine that with two people who are both in the same condition with God joining together in prayer, and you're unstoppable. You understand that? I mean, that's just an awesome thing to think about. You know, if, if you um, ask believing, abiding in Christ, okay, that means putting on fruit, okay? That means having love, joy, peace, and all this other stuff. And if you don't do the things that you shouldn't do, okay, that means you don't point your finger, you don't speak vanity of how good you are, that kind of thing. Um, and you ask according to His will. You ask according to God's will, being free of a spirit of unforgiveness, free of cherishing iniquity, okay? If you have those points in your prayer life, keeping God's commandments, what's to stop you? We're unstoppable. You understand, if he's willing to give Jesus Christ, what would he not be willing to give? Right? So I just want you to uh, think of these things as you continue in your prayer life and uh, realize God wants more than anything to give you uh, all that you need. Not all that you think you want, but all that you need. 
And uh, his ultimate goal is salvation. That's the will of the Father, is the salvation of yourself and those you love, those that are around you, everyone. All right? Let's bow our heads. Kind Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to see this picture of you, this clearer picture of you and how you relate to us, how you seek more than anything to answer our prayers. You want us to ask, but you want us to ask in a right way. Lord, I pray that we can be in tune with your Spirit, that we can have your Spirit abiding in us, giving us that heart of flesh, taking away the stony heart, that our prayers can be worthy of being answered. I pray, Lord, that we would be in tune with your mission of saving souls. That is the grand purpose of all. And if only, Lord, we could just see that, that you want more than anything to save everyone. Help us, Lord, to pray in accordance with that spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us, protect us, and bring us back here safely again next Sabbath. For we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.